There are many great mysteries of our faith. Some we, even mysteries that we take for granted. Maybe we assume that uh, we've heard them so many times, so many times, so many times that we just presume what they mean. And maybe we need a good awakening to take a step back and face the truths of our faith squarely on to recognize how unique they are. And we're going to look at that a bit in a text today for our discussion, the issue of the incarnation and what it really means and how significant it is for the change that needs to take place in our lives. Good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. It's a pleasure to join you again. This program, each week I invite a a guest to join us to talk about a verse they never saw. That's been our theme for a while in this program. In other words, a verse of Scripture that awakened them. And maybe it was a verse that was right there in front of them all along. Maybe it was one that they heard but didn't take seriously. Usually the guests are, 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 were Christians who accepted the beauty of Scripture, but then the Lord used a particular text to awaken them to a deeper, deeper walk with Jesus Christ. And that's often true of our guests. And specifically, a deeper walk with His church. And that'll be a part of our discussion today. I'm having as a guest a gentleman who's joined me on the Journey Home program. He's also been on Deep in Scripture once before, I think, uh, and it's Richard Lane. Let me remind you of his journey. You can read his bio on the deepinscripture.com website and uh, also on the website for all the archives of the programs and all the other great stuff that you can uh, access when you go to uh, deepinscripture.com as well as chnetwork.org, the website for the Coming Home Network. Richard was received into the Catholic Church on April 19, 2003. In 2005, he began proclaiming the gospel as a street corner evangelist, sharing the Word of God and passing out Bibles, crosses, and other religious items. Since that time, he has been featured in our Sunday Visitor, National Catholic Reporter, and the Sports Review Magazine. He's got some sports background, sports connections in his background we might want to talk about. He's also been interviewed on Catholic Answers Live, Avimir Radio, Relevant Radio, and EWTN's own Journey Home program. He's the co-founder of the Catholic Men for Christ Conference in St. Louis, Missouri, which continues to draw thousands of men each year to hear the powerful message of the gospel. He is one of the few African-American Catholics in the United States on Catholic Radio and is the producer and co-host of Covenant Radio Network's Evangelizing St. Louis Weekly Radio Show since 2006. If you'd like to know more about Richard's ministry, you can go to his website, www.catholicevangelist.net. And he's the proud husband of Donna, and they have a beautiful daughter, Kay Alexandria Lane. Now, it's Richard has a lot of enthusiasm, but it's enthusiasm directed in the right direction. It's for his Lord Jesus Christ and his church. He's committed to evangelizing, which means basically just doing what he's been told by our Lord Jesus, and that's that we're called to make we're called to go out and make disciples, and that's what he does for a living. And it's great to have him on the show. The only problem is it's hard to contain someone on radio when he has that much enthusiasm. But he's he's actually sitting across from me today. So if you're watching the program on the video, you'll see uh, Richard join us. Go to deepinscription.com if you want to watch us. Uh, that's one of the great things of the our updated website. The scripture that he's chosen for our discussion today, uh, it's it's funny. Uh, if you listen deep in scripture, sometimes our guests pick about 30 verses, and how are we going to cram them all in? He's chosen one, but it's a deep verse. It's a powerful verse. And that's John 1.14. Let me read that, then we'll take a break, and then Richard will join us. John 1.14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have beheld His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. 
Don't forget to watch the Journey Home program with Marcus Grodi on EWTN. Each week, Marcus meets new guests who have journeyed to the Catholic faith from many backgrounds. Be challenged and encouraged as they witness to how their love for the truth of Jesus Christ has brought them into full communion with the Catholic Church. That's the Journey Home program on EWTN, live on Monday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. If you enjoy the Journey Home television program on EWTN, you'll want to purchase a copy of Marcus Gerdai's book, Journey's Home. Journey's Home contains the conversion stories of men and women who, as a result of their surrender to Jesus Christ, heard a call to follow him more completely in the Catholic Church. Many of them were Protestant pastors or missionaries. Others were laymen who, though working in secular jobs, took their calling to serve Christ in the world very seriously. To order your copy of Marcus Gerdai's book, Journey's Home, simply visit our website at www.chresources.com or call us toll-free at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. I'm having a good time sitting here talking with our guest. Uh, often the program was done over telephone, of course, but it's great to have Richard Lane here in the studio. Hello, Richard. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. It's a, a great time to be be here, and I'm so thankful to uh, the wonderful people of the great state of Ohio for allowing me into the state for a couple of days. They gave me a dispensation. I've got to be gone by Monday at sundown. Uh, you'd better explain to the audience why that the humor was, of that. I was born and raised in the wonderful, great state of Michigan in Detroit, Michigan. So uh, Michiganders and Ohioans don't uh, – there's a little rivalry, <laughs> I'll put it that way, Ohio State and uh, Michigan, Michigan State. Well, I always believe that a truly good and honorable Ohio State fan has great respect for the team up north Amen. because we're Big Ten uh, comrades yes, it's yes. i just i i'm not one of those that you know hates our opponent there i do know some that are that way yes. both from my side and from your side yes, so but very uh, true. Uh, i'm a great lover of the game yes. and i i really believe football is one of the i love it so much because it to me it illustrates the faith it illustrates yes. the, the church it illustrates working together and everybody teamwork. has a part i mean teamwork it's there's so many values that can be taught in, uh, in that particular sport, I yes. believe, uh, as well as the spiritual battle. I mean, that's very true. You know, there we are. I mean, so we could, we could, and I want to make sure the audience, I do want to make the connection. We didn't, I don't remember if we made it when we did the Journey Home program, but you are connected to football. A little bit, yes. Um, my father uh, broke into the uh, NFL with the Los Angeles Rams in 1952, set an NFL record that year of most interceptions in one season with 14. That's when they had 12-game seasons. A year later, he was traded to the Chicago Cardinals, and then I believe in 1960, just before they moved to St. Louis, he was traded to and retired from the Detroit Lions in 1966 and 1974. He was elected to the NFL Hall of Fame and is arguably the greatest cornerback to ever play the game of football. His name was Dick Night Train Lane. That's right. We've all heard that name. Yes. That's very much. Well, that's... And... Uh, um, I didn't run this by you first beforehand, but in terms of whether he was an influence on your own spiritual journey. My father had uh, his own kind of, uh, kind of walk with life. Um, my father had a, a very uh, difficult life growing up is, as, a, uh, as a foster child in Austin, Texas in the 1920s and 1930s. So uh, he and my mother married in... Uh, I believe around 1963, and uh, my mother is Lutheran, and my mother and my stepfather are wonderful Lutherans, still Lutheran, and so my father began to get involved in the Lutheran church. So I know that Dad had a a a, a relationship with Jesus, if you will. Dad would come to church when he was in town, and he would serve. He would uh, serve as an usher. He would go and play golf. 
uh, uh, weekly with Pastor Daniel. So I don't know what he and the pastor talked about while they were on the golf course, but he might have had his spiritual awakening there. But um, my father told me before he passed away, he said, uh, uh, he says, your mother gave you something that I could have never given you. And she gave you the love for Jesus. She gave you, uh, she opened the door to Christianity. And he said, he told me, uh, in, in a note that he wrote me, he says, always keep God first in your life. You know, I learned the hard way that, um, yes, indeed, Jesus said, by your f- their fruit you will know them. So Jesus, in that statement of Scripture, in- rec- encourages us to recognize that the externals of our life communicate to a certain extent, what's going on inside. Yes. We know that. But I learned the hard way that, on the other hand, we don't know what anybody else is thinking. We don't know anybody else in the world what they're thinking, what's going on inside. And we can misjudge people by looking at their outsides. And sometimes we can condemn people by looking at their outsides. But Jesus is calling us to always believe the best and want the best and pray for the best and communicate the best and to love. That's why he says love even your enemy. Yes. Because you may have misjudged him. That's correct. And so we look at our fathers and our mothers, siblings, and we must never give up. Right? Exactly. I remember several years ago in 2005 when my wife and I were led to the streets to be able to minister. I'll never forget uh, a young lady, a homeless woman. Uh, Her name was Anita. Uh, I met Anita. She was sleeping on the bench in front of our church, and people would walk around her, over her, would never talk to her. (laughs) And finally, I began to talk to her, uh, and then we struck up a, a, a good friendship. And I began to go out on the streets every week for at least that first year. And there were days where I would get frustrated. I would invite many people to come out on the streets with me, many of my fellow parishioners to come out on the streets with me. But do you know who, no one ever came out, but do you know who came out with me on those street corners every Saturday? was Anita. <laughs> Anita came out and passed out those Bibles with love, with zeal, and it was absolutely wonderful. Here's this woman that had been homeless for nine years, <laughs> and even when my wife and I invited her to come into church, she would come and worship with us. There were a couple of Sundays where people came and said, this is that homeless woman that's outside. Is she supposed to be in here? Uh-huh. And my wife and I stood up proudly in her defense and said, yes, she is our friend. And Anita taught me so much mm-hmm. about exactly what you said, not assuming from people's exterior, but knowing what's, but trying to find out what's on the interior. Yeah, Jesus gave a, from his own example, gave us a, a very vivid example of that when he touched the leper. Yes. He touched the leper when no one else would even get close. Right. He didn't just heal the leper from afar. He touched the leper. Yes. You know? And uh, so we, you know, in Mayacopa, uh, I'm not perfect at this even to this day. None uh, of you know, uh, it's one of maybe our greatest sins as we project on other people. In that we think they know what they're thinking, what they're feeling, motive because we read on the outside and we don't. We don't. Uh, but for the grace of God. Yes. We assume because of other people's exteriors, because of their exterior appearance, uh, because of pictures, because of stereotypes that have been, that we have created in our own minds or that have been unfortunately handed down to us through generational uh, issues that a lot of us have suffered throughout our lives and our families. So again, our call is to meet, is, is for us to do what Jesus did. Jesus met people where they were in life. And that's what he wants us to do, is to meet people where they are. You, you know, I, we didn't plan to talk about this on the radio, but I, my, my personal feeling is that that is one of the reasons that for our, our, our race problems in America. And that is that 
we don't understand each other's cultures. Correct. And so when we see another person of a different culture doing something that we would never see ourselves doing because I don't Correct. understand it, but we judge based on our own assumptions. Exactly. Rather, wait a second, explain to me your culture. Exactly. I wish we could do that. Exactly. But we live in a world, unfortunately, that is a politically correct world. And that's one of the things that we are deathly afraid of in this nation is to have that all-important racial conversation, especially with us having the very first African-American president. Uh, A lot of people that are not of African-American descent are afraid to be able to say certain things because they don't want to be labeled as a bigot or a racist. Uh, The same thing is goes applies for us. We African Americans tend to be silent or our anger or hostility arises in certain situations. Uh, I can remember several times, uh, again, me being a Catholic. Uh, an African-American Catholic, uh, in the last four to five, six years, I've had people that at the, sign of the, at the sign of peace in a Catholic church, a Roman Catholic church, I've had people refuse to shake my hand. Now, did I step back and take a look and say, okay, why would this person refuse to shake my hand? They shook everyone else's hand around them, but then I looked and said, well, um, mine is the only brown hand in this room. Yeah. Is there an issue there? Uh, Those are the things that we need to do. And that's what I try to do wherever I go is to try to bridge that gap. There's a a gap or or people are quick to point the finger in between African-American Catholics and the worship style that is intrinsically, uh, uh, that is ours uh, because we are a celebratory people. We are a loving people. God has always been at the forefront. We have always evangelized our children um, and our families. And so it is a true celebration of the Eucharist when you go into an African-American Catholic church. So, You know, it's in uh, both Galatians and Ephesians, particularly in Ephesians, where Paul addresses the mystery of the gospel that in general if you ask people what's the mystery of the gospel uh, they would say well it's that you know Christ became flesh which we're going to talk about in a moment and that he lived and he died and he resurrected for us on the cross and now we're saved there's the mystery of the gospel (laughs) that's not what Paul says the mystery of the gospel is mystery of the gospel is that God brought the Jews and the Gentiles together, together. as one. Yes. That's yes. the mystery of the gospel. Yes. And if we could bring the Gentiles, <laughs> just if we could bring the Gentiles of the 21st century together, that would be a miracle, a modern day miracle. Yeah, yeah there's no male, no female, no, yes. no Gentile, no Jew. Yes. And uh, that's the mystery of the gospel because it broke, the many ways, the, the, the understanding. Like you said, a person wouldn't even reach out and grab your hand. That's what God was cutting through. That's correct. That's the mystery of the gospel. Now, I continued to pray for that person. Yep. And two months later, I was actually invited to do a uh, parish mission at that particular parish. So um, yep. it was nice. And I hope that person was there and was able to uh, um, understand. So. All right. Well, that is actually very important stuff that we've been uh, discussing. And maybe we'll get back into that. I do want to make sure we... We, we get to our passage today, John 1, 14. Why did you chose that, choose that particular passage? It was one of the, to be honest with you, the, the word made flesh. And I didn't realize this and understand it until not only after RCIA. When I went through RCIA, Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults, coming into the church, mm-hmm. that's when I learned about the Eucharist. That's when I learned about the true body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord. And I realized that that was what had been calling me to the church all my life. Um, And then about a year or so later, I began to continue to be steeped in, in reading my Bible. And 
I, I'm glad I took some great advice from people. And they say, you read it, kind of start out at in Matthew. Don't start out in Genesis because by the time you get to Leviticus, <laughs> you might be a little bit a little bit tired. So I got through the three the three gospels and then I got to John and it took me a week to get past the first chapter <laughs> because of the richness in it. And when I read this and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we saw the glory, the glory of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. That's what, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, I've been searching for truth all my life. It was given to me as a young boy through my mother. She exposed me to the church. But again, I felt like I was St. Augustine. And I left and went to make my own journey to find my own truth. But thank God for his grace that brought me back to the fullness of the means of salvation that we have in our church. And I realized that this was the word made flesh. Now, you put it in a context. If you go back and exegete that from the the Old Testament, you go back to Genesis 1.1. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, there was nothing. And then God formed everything out of his what? Out of his spoken word. God said it, and then it came into being. God said, let there be light. There was light by his spoken word. God said, let the the waters teem with abundance. He spoke it, and then it came true. God said, let there be man. He spoke it. It came true. And then When you read this in that context, and the word became flesh and made its dwelling among us, the spoken word, the same word, the same God that created everything, spoke it into fruition. And then he gives us his son, the spoken word now becoming flesh that is dwelt among us. That's just, it's so powerful. And it just captivated me. And I said, that is the grace that I've been looking for. That's the truth that I've been searching for so many times. And that's the essence of the truth that we have within the Eucharist, within the spoken word of God made flesh. The, um, I don't think it was any accident that we began our uh, discussion the way we did. Because if we look at, for example, the mystery of the gospel, that it was God's intent that he would bring unity between these divided people, right? Who could probably come up with all kinds of reasons, justifiable reasons to stay separated. But out of love, he said, no, you're one. Right. Backing up a bit the illustration of the Jesus touching the leper. Jesus probably could have come up with any number of very justifiable reasons to stay away from that leper, but he didn't. Love. John 1.14. God could think of any number of good reasons to stay away from us. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, God could have said, you know, remember way back when, when I sent that rain? <laughs> By this time, he could have said, you know, I need more than rain. I'm going to fulfill what I said. I'm not sending any more rain. I'm sending fire. Exactly. Yes. But what do we see here? The word became flesh yes. and dwelt among us. I mean, there's the core of the mystery that we are to imitate when we are to be one with one another. Mm-hmm. God so loved us that he sent his son. Yes. John 3. But if you look deeper into that scripture, into this passage, there's so much more that's deeper because mm-hmm. it says... He made his dwelling among us. The word made flesh made his dwelling among us. The literal meaning of that is that God pitched a tent within our hearts. (laughs) And there's a double meaning to that. Not only did God pitch a tent as we would think in Cub Scouts, you go and build a tent inside your heart. But if you look at the word pitch and the meaning of the word pitch in the Old Testament, God told Noah to build an ark, 
And when he built that ark, he told him to do what? To seal it with pitch, which meant that nothing outside could get in, nothing inside could get out. It was strong. So God seals us with pitch, and it's a seal, a confirmation, if you will, of his love for us, of his son, the word made flesh, coming living within us, because we are blessed to be able to receive him in the sacrament, in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity. He says, my, my, my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. We are able to drink and eat him and let him dwell within us. And he seals himself within our hearts with his grace and truth. Yeah, talk a bit about the, the phrase full of grace and truth. I mean, expand on that uh, in light of other verses where he talks about his desire to share his grace and, and our need to receive all of that to right. be all we're entitled, we're called to be. Grace is, as we all know, grace is, a, is, is not from us. Grace is what? It is a gift from God. And so, therefore, God gives us we've, – we've lived in a world – Again, and I use this a lot, we live in a relativistic society. We live in a world that distorts the truth or that is afraid to, 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 to preach and talk about the real truth. We live in a, a world that says, well, just if it feels good, go ahead and just do it. Uh, we live in a world where we try to justify our own perverted desires and wants and things of that nature. Um, I, I, Pope Paul VI, I, no, Pope uh, John Paul II uh, called it a, a world that is, is riddled in darkness. But we see here that God knew that we were going to get out of control. He knew from the, from the get-go, from us uh, uh, wanting to not be, be settled with being created in his own image and likeness, but where we got in trouble was that, that, that sin of pride. We wanted to be over God. And so therefore, it is through his love, his mercy, his gift of grace that he sent truth to us to dwell within us. And that truth, that gift is from him, and that truth is of him, his son. Another verse that describes this grace that we receive from him uh, in a little different angle is Second Peter, verse one, chapter one, verse four, when it talks about us becoming partakers of the divine nature. I mean, grace isn't merely some magical spell that God or some fairy dust <laughs> that He sprinkles on us. This is his very nature that, as you yes. said, that's what we're talking about, coming to dwell within our hearts, make yes. his tent. It's his very nature yes. in which he abides. That's akin to grace. It, he, he's not, he is the same God in the Old Testament, but, but praise God for his grace and his mercy. He's not turning us all into a pillar of salt like he did Lot's wife, <laughs> which we all deserve to be turned into a pillar of salt. We all deserve to be banished to, to, to uh, damnation. But this is the same God that has, become, that has shown us his eternal love through sending us his only begotten son to be stretched out. We see God himself humbling himself by coming down from heaven and living as a human and therefore becoming perfected in his humanity through what he suffered, as St. Paul teaches us as well. But the same God then gives up his own life. There's a song that says he could have sent 10,000, could have called 10,000 angels to come and be at his side. But instead, his deep love and his grace, he decided to give up his own life so that we could accept him dwelling within ours. Uh, we got a, a 
it takes us a little off stream, but I want to do it. We got a, an email question from the Ustream. Those of you that are, are listening to us, you can also be watching us on uh, on the internet. You go to the deepinscripture.com website, you and uh, you'll see us well, live. And uh, those of you that are watching can comment and, and have a bit of a chat. And we did get a question for you, and uh, might as well pass it along. We wanted to know what you liked your enthusiasm for Scripture, but was wondering what your favorite version of the Bible was. Do you have one? <laughs> to be honest with you, and I get that a lot of times when I do parish missions, sure. I always I tell people, don't come to a parish mission without bringing your sword. <laughs> don't do that. Bring your Bible. Do you know what B-I-B-L-E stands for? Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. It's a great book. My favorite version is the St. Joseph New American Bible. Uh, it is the Bible that I was introduced to when I first came to RCIA. Um, it's the Bible that really reads, in my humble opinion, it speaks to me, and I, I can read it clearly and understand it, and it has... I love the footnotes. The footnotes in this are absolutely awesome to where it explains sacred scripture in a good modern context. So, and again, it, it has it is the full 73 books with the deuterocanonical books in the Old Testament. It's the whole Bible. Yes. All right. Let's take a break, uh, uh, Richard, and when we come back, we'll, we'll dig a little bit more into this passage and, and especially see, make sure we understand what it's telling us about our Lord Jesus and make sure we understand what it's telling us about us, too. All right. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, and I'm joined today by Richard Lane. And you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. EWTN.com is online with program information, the latest news, Pope Benedict XVI, plus tools for living the faith like prayers, Catholic Q&A, and other resources. Log on today to EWTN.com. Don't miss the good fight on Saturday. We will discuss the illustrious St. Paul, and our future saint is the illustrious Father Bruce Lamb, a Franciscan in Reno, Nevada. That's the good fight, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. The Good Fight comes to you live each Saturday only on EWTN Radio. For times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, and I'm joined today by Richard Lane. And I just wanted to, to mention that on the website, uh, deepinscripture.com, there is a number of of uh, tabs that you can click. You can look at our scripture today. You can look at our guest's bio. There's a number of connections for his website, uh, archives, a bunch of things. But also this week, there's a notes section, and you can download the schedule for Richard Lane's upcoming new EWTN miniseries that will debut in November, and it's entitled New Wine and new wineskins. And uh, and Richard, I know putting those miniseries together is no piece of cake, you, right? You go there and you got to cram a whole bunch of programs in a week, uh, right? And uh, We actually did it in a day. Oh. <laughs> God <laughs> is good kidding. all the time. Oh, I can't imagine yes. that. What was the, what's the gist or the theme of this th- series that's coming up? To be Catholic Evangelization 101. All right. Uh, my title is Catholic Evangelist, Catholic Lay Evangelist. And so it looks at evangelization from a, not only a scriptural context, but it looks at it from the context of the church teachings, the documents, what the church teaches us about evangelization, and then how do we go about evangelization. So I talk about who we are as people of God and whose we are, realizing that we belong to God. And then how do we just, I give people just regular examples of evangelization. You don't have to go to the street corners and preach on the street corners like I did. But a good lesson of evangelization is prior to every time, prior to this broadcast, 
I called my wife. We're 400 miles away. And I asked my wife for a blessing to pray for me uh, before I go on. Every night before we go to bed, we pray over each other. Whenever we leave each other's sight, we bless each other um, and pray over each other. Whenever my daughter goes to school or I drop her off somewhere, I again bless her. I make the sign of the cross over her forehead, pray over her, and send her off with God's blessing. So it's really simple things that start out that way, but it's also, it's always kept in our Catholic context. All right. Let's go back to our text, if we would, for the time we have remaining. Um, I mentioned before the break that I want to make sure that we look square at this passage and ask first, what what does it tell us about Jesus that we want to make sure we don't miss? If you, the one of the ways, and again, this is something that I learned in, in, in RCIA, hmm. going back to our roots. I had a wonderful, wonderful catechist. Um, you have to put, you cannot read verses just for what they are. You have to read them in context. Mm -hmm. So you go above and below. And so if we go back to the very beginning of this chapter, it tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So therefore, if we have the spoken Word of God, the spoken Word now given to us flesh, in the beginning, He was with God. And so the writer is referring to whom? Jesus, who was present through the Trinity before creation of the world. And then it says in verse 3, all things came to be through him. And what and without him, nothing came to be. What came to be through him was what? Life. And this life was the light of the human race, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so therefore, we see, again, God's love for us, God's love through his spoken word, then giving us his spoken word in flesh, in his son, who will has not become, who is the Eucharist, but at this time he's still uh, living at this particular time. And then we go into verse 16. From his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace. So what that is talking about is the fulfillment of God's covenant. The old covenant of God is now replaced by the new covenant, the new covenant in Jesus Christ. The, the, the word become flesh. You mentioned earlier in the program that how are, we see our God differently today than they did in the Old Testament. You know, and sometimes God is portrayed in the Old Testament as very vengeful, stern, and wrathful God. And in some ways, this what you've just talked about there, grace upon grace, we've received grace upon grace, is really the key. Because we talked early in the program about how we project onto other people that we don't understand our own foibles. We see someone of a different culture that we don't understand, and so we project on them we try and understand, and if we don't, then maybe we assume the worst. Well, I think in the Old Testament, when they looked at God, they projected the way he does things. Well, that's if I ever did that, well, this is what I'd be thinking. So God right. must be thinking this. Right. So they would say God changed his mind. Well, you know, we're looking at God through my man glasses. Right. But now the beauty is that we've been given this grace to see God more clearly, particularly in flesh. Yes. He now becomes visible. The it's it you know, we were talking about this earlier privately. It's uh it's faith. What was invisible is now made visible to us. It's it's wonderful. And the great thing about it is that even though Christ died and rose and then ascended into heaven, almost 2,000 years ago, we still have him here today present with us in the Eucharist, in the Blessed Sacrament. I'm blessed to be able to travel to uh, and speak and preach in, in Baptist, Pentecost, uh, Baptist, Methodist, non- and interdenominational churches. And they understand 
uh, the relational aspect of Jesus Christ. I'm, I, 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 I'm always going to tell people, I'm, I stole this, this line from Father Karapi. I even told <laughs> Father Karapi I'm stealing it from you. But he says that they have so much, they do so much more with less, and yet we do so much less with more. <laughs> Meaning, they might not have any sacraments, but they go about evangelization and sharing that with the world so much better, but yet we have the fullness of means of salvation, seven full sacraments, but yet we don't use that to uh, to others' advantage. And so they understand about the power of the blood of Jesus. You've got to be washed in the blood of Jesus. You have to make him your personal, intimate Lord and Savior. Well, it doesn't get more intimate and personal than to be able to receive to be able to eat his flesh in the Eucharist and drink his precious blood from the chalice. And the same God that gave up his life 2,000 years ago on the cross is present to us in the blessed sacrament at adoration. That's the beauty of what we have. We can go and be in the presence of God himself and let him fill us with his grace and love. And that grace is to change us and give us courage and yes. to, to break th free from the barriers of our presuppositions yes. and uh, so we that we can actually reach out to others and accept them for who they are in the eyes of God. Let's take another break. And uh, in the moments we have when we return, I'd like to see how this verse in itself is a challenge to evangelization. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by Richard Lane, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. The Coming Home Network International is a nonprofit Catholic lay apostolate dedicated to helping Protestant clergy and laity come home to the Catholic Church. It was founded by Marcus Grodi, the host of this program, as well as the Journey Home television program on EWTN. If you are on the journey and interested in learning more about the Coming Home Network International, or know someone who's thinking of becoming Catholic, please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org, or contact us at one 800 664 the Coming Home Network International and Marcus Grodi invite you to join us for our 8th Annual Deep in History Conference coming this fall to Columbus, Ohio. This year our focus will be on the authenticity of the sacred scriptures as we ask, How firm is your foundation? Join us the weekend of October 22nd as we bring together another exciting list of guest speakers. For more information, go to deepinhistory.com or call us at 800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by Richard Lane. And uh, he's the reason he's here in town to do the radio is because you're here for the Deep in History uh, weekend. Yes. Uh, we're this coming weekend, as you heard in the advertisement just a moment ago, is in Columbus, Ohio. We're having a great conference. It's our eighth, and we're focusing on Scripture, which is why you're, we've invited you to come and join us this weekend as one of our speakers. If you'd like to find out more about the Deep in History conference, you can go to the chnetwork.org website, and there's a link there, and find out all about this weekend, or you can call our office, 740-450-1175, if you'd like to sign up. We'd love to have you. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend, a really good weekend. Um, Richard, all right, John 114 uh, also tells us a bit about us and our responsibility to share what we've been given. Jesus said in John 15, 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Yes. And so there's a sense in which the outreach that comes from us is to be an expression of what we've received. Yes. All right. John 1.14 talks a bit about 
Jesus, but also talks about what we've received and the word became flesh, dwelt among us full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory, glory as of the only son from the father and that we had received grace upon grace. Mm-hmm. How does that empower us and challenge us to do exactly what he taught, called us to do in John 15? Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to de- that he was willing to die for us. So therefore, in order for us to fulfill John 1:14, we must do as St. Paul tells us throughout his letters is we too must die to our flesh in order for us to see others as Christ sees others we have to die to our fleshly lives as he says in Galatians I believe it's Galatians 5 we are no longer we have to die to the ways of this world because our flesh is 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 a slave to this world licentiousness jealousy hatred rivalries factions the Bible tells us But once we die to the flesh and the ways of this world, then we begin to live in the spirit. Then we begin to live in the spirit of Christ. We then begin to take the blinders off of our eyes and see each other not as a black man or a white man, but as a man of God. We begin to see one another not as race or or religion or denomination, we begin to see each other as we were all created in the image and likeness of God. And so therefore that takes a lot of a lot of work. And unfortunately, our society has not gotten to the point totally where we're able to die to the ways of this world. And it's a struggle for Christians all over the world, and it's a struggle for Catholics for us to die to our fleshly desires in the ways of this world, but living in the way that Jesus does. But once we do that, and God gives us the graces to overcome those struggles, he gives us the graces because he tells us that the devil prowls the world looking for for souls to devour. But did we put on our armor, the armor of God, the breastplate of salvation, the helmet of righteousness? Are we shod in grace and peace? Do we continue to carry faith as a shield? And do we continue to carry the sword of the spirit? God gives us everything. We have seven full sacraments, as you well know, that he bestows his grace on us in order for us to do exactly what he wants die to the ways of this world and live in the spirit. One of the verses that Paul uses to describe that is Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's Paul's response to John 1.14. We become slaves to sin. We become slaves to sin. Whatever we spend the majority of our time doing becomes our God. And we are a slave to that. Some of us uh, are slaves to work uh, by working 80, 90 hours a week. Some of us are slaves to the internet. Some of us are slaves to alcohol. Some of us are slaves to, we talked a little bit about sports. Uh, I enjoy football better than it mo- better than most people. The reason why I love becoming Catholic is because when I lived on the in the West Coast, uh, the game started at 10 a.m. So you can always go fulfill your holy day of obligation on Saturday at five and then wake up and watch football and not and not have to worry about it. But most of us then become slaves to, you know, if that's if sports becomes our God, if we don't keep it in the proper context. We were talking, uh, I was talking to someone at lunch the other day. You know, we, we tend to spend $20,000 a year on luxury boxes and things of that nature. But how much do we give back to God in a year? Do we give God 40000 25000 Do we even give God 20000 No. I've always said this. We're, we're so concerned about our earthly 401k, but how much more concerned are we about our spiritual 401k? When... Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I mean, that would be a great another discussion for us, that whole, but but that implies this surrender of the self. Yes. The true surrender. 
and crucifixion, crucifying oneself, if you look at the image of the crucifixion, the nails, and once you're nailed to the cross, you can't just get down when you feel like it. For most of us, our self-crucifixion is Velcro. You know what I mean? mean, I'll talk about it now, and then five minutes later, no, I'm done done and move on, and this is a lifelong. And we see that image in John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus didn't stay up there cushy in the... In his great lazy lazy boy in the sky, right. uh, to be flipping about it. No, he really came as a baby. Yes. And when you put that in the context of the abortion culture we live in, yes, he made yes, himself the yes. most vulnerable yes. he could possibly be for our sakes. And he took the worst type of death that anyone could have ever taken at that time was crucifixion. Look, he was he was nailed to the cross next to two next yeah. to two criminals. Um, yeah. Yep. How do we become fuller in grace? Ask for it. Ask. John fourteen fourteen. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do. Whatever you ask in my name. Now, don't go out and ask him for a brand new house or a brand new car. <laughs> ask God for something hard. Ask God to give you a new love. Ask God to... Take away some of your hurts. Ask God to find a way for you to deal with your issues before your issues begin to deal with you. Ask him for the grace. And it's as simply as as getting down on your knees where you're at right now. It's as simple as talking to God because he's your friend, he's your brother, he's your father, he's everything. Particularly in the Blessed Sacrament. Yes, exactly. Go to adoration. Properly dispose yourself prior to Mass, but continue to say, Lord, thy will be done despite my own. Just give me the grace and continue to dwell within me. All right, Richard, thanks a lot. Just remind the audience, if they want to get in contact with you, find out more about what you're doing. What's your website? CatholicEvangelist.net. Again, www.CatholicEvangelist.net. I'm available to do Advent parish missions. My Lenten schedule is almost done, but go to the website. All right. And if you forget the website, you can always go back to DeepInScripture.com, and all the links are there to get you to Richard, as well as this program and all the other programs. So, Richard, thanks a lot. Thank you. God bless you. Keep us in your prayers. We'll keep you in ours. Okay, same to you and for your work. Uh, You know, our prayers are with you, and uh, it's a good thing you've got a guardian angel standing beside you. It isn't just you alone. It's your Lord in your heart. All of you, thank you. God bless you. See you again next week.